Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 325th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Go and upgrade your audio game today over at audiotechnica.com. I am your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8bit. And joining me on this podcast, as is tradition, my podcast, Right I Die, the screaming Mimi to my Dr. Freak. You can find her on them socials at Miss Allie Hart. Miss Allie Hart, how the bloody hell are you? I've got a damn sweet tooth now because before we started recording, we decided to go down a nostalgic lane of oh, the years of yonder of kids candy that we grew up with and I just I like reminiscing about sherbets and all the sugary treats that we could get in like school canteen or you know at your local tuck shop like oh and now I just I just have this strong sweet tooth and I, the sad thing <laughs> is is that I can't even go out and get these things like I just have to like view it from afar yeah, you're literally an ocean away from these uh, fantastic candies. So, you know, we were talking about things like whiz fizz and sherbets and double, double dippers and all these things that uh, were, were very key in a in a '90s child's upbringing, one might say. Um, and yeah, we sort of settled on a few of our favourites. The the, the whiz fizz sherbet cones were certainly mm. a, a hit in the White household growing up as kiddos. Also, the uh, remember the. Um, the Dunkaroos, remember? They're still around, the Dunkaroos. I was a big fan of the old hazelnut dip and dunk- Dunkaroos. They're actually really popular over here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, the Americans freaking love it. Um, I, like, I like it's obviously not going to taste the same, but, like, I couldn't. I was really surprised to see that they're very big on Dunkaroos over here. You know what they sell over here? Talking about childhood candies. They sell yaoi's. What? You remember I don't yowies? even know if we still sell yaoi's here in Australia. I had all of the toys when I was a kid. All I the little Australian them. animals. Yeah, yeah. I I, I absolutely loved that like, like that we because it was kind of like the Australian version of like Kinder Surprise, mm. but you know, you'd get like a cute little Australian creature of some variety and a little factoid about it and on a piece of paper and I was so shocked to see yaoi's over here and I'm like, "Oh my god." Like ah. Oh. God. They were a good time. I, I was a big fan of the Yowie. Yeah, I had a... Remember like the Whitman sampler chocolate boxes? I had all my Yowie toys in one of those for some reason. And I had many, but then they just sort of disappeared. Yowies, yeah, they, they just, were like available everywhere and then pff, gone. They disappeared. I don't, and I don't understand why. I don't know if like Kinder Surprise just targeted the market and won or if maybe the company that produced it kind of went under a bit. Who knows? But apparently they shipped them off over here and they're, mm. they're still making them. I did see them back for a hot minute a few years ago in like the local Woolies and Coles, but like I don't know if it's still around now, but uh, I don't know how good the toy quality is these days too. It's True. weird, like with technological advancement, you think the toys would get better, but a lot of the time they're just cheaper and shitter than they were in the 90s. I think over here they have a rule about um, putting toys in candy. You can't do it here because oh. kids are stupid. <laughs> they try and eat the toy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're eating the chocolate with the toy in it. I don't know. But and I, I guess they sue. Very, yeah, very, yes. very happy to sue very and try and get happy, their yeah. compensation. Yeah, but 
Uh, it's just like, and I, it's very interesting to see how candy changes over the years and what, like, what's very popular, like, for kids now, I guess. And I mean, like, some of the classics are still there. Like, Gobsoppers is apparently timeless. Uh, nerds are timeless. So, you know, some of my favorites are still around, which is nice. Runts. Runts are a very controversial controversial mm-hmm. candy choice that I love, but apparently a lot of people hate it. But. It's very interesting to see some of the candies that stay, like like a gobstopper, like the smaller ones that, you know, the little like almost Malteser-sized ones, ones yeah. I can get behind. But the ones that are literal golf ball sizes, like it's the stupidest candy. Like it's gross. You put it in your mouth. You can't talk. You can't do anything. So you almost got to just sit there licking it like a weird creeper. Like I had one of their big ones once when I was a kid and it lasted me a long time. Like I got my money's worth, but it was shit. It was not a good experience because my hand was getting sticky as I was holding it. it and I'm licking it. Like it's That's just a it. messy ball of crap. Yeah, it's definitely like one of those candies that a parent really makes a choice on giving to their kids. Because yeah, it's they it wouldn't fit in their mouth, or if even if it did, it was constantly coming out with like gross color and yeah. spit in their hands. It was disgusting. It's like a choking hazard too. Like how did whoever invented the large gobstoppers? Let's just say Willy Wonka. How did he not get sued all the time for people nearly choking to death on these giant things? Because he sends them down the uh, furnace. <laughs> Wasn't the, hey, the shoot? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Anyone that they just get invited to his factory and he, he kills them all and feeds them to his Oompa Loompas or something. I don't know. But, I uh, want to see that version now. I'd watch the hell out of that. A, a horror-based version of Willy Wonka. Like, it is creepy in all essence. Like, it really when you break is. it down. Yeah, it's, it really, It's really not is. a good concept. But uh, Gene Wilder, he did the best he could in that role. But, uh, yeah, power to all those weird chocolate and candy barons out there. I reckon you're all probably a bunch of sickos that eat kids. But... Uh, we're here not talking about yeah candy-eating adults and child-eating adults and things like that. We're talking about video games and pop culture here on mm-hmm. The Hungry Gamers. We are back here for episode 325. We could probably jump on in and talk about what we've been doing over the last week or so. Uh, obviously, we've had a new iteration of Fortnite make its way out this week to coincide with uh, Star Wars Day. You know, May the 4th be with you out there, mm-hmm. Star Wars fanatics. And on the back of that, we've got uh, Darth Maul available through the progression of a new uh, Star Wars-specific battle pass. We've got Padme and Anakin purchasable. In the store, we've got some Stormtrooper variants and some Clone Trooper variants in there, purchasable as well. And it brings a whole host of new things. We've got three different lightsaber variations you can utilize in the matches, which adds another layer of carnage on top of the carnage that is oh, plenty yeah. in Fortnite right now. But it is a good time. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. I like these little elements across the map of you know being able to pick and choose whatever Force ability and who you learn it from. I obviously always go and find Darth Maul because it's the right choice. Um, I am a little sad because I saw the initial announcement that, you know, Darth Maul will be in Fortnite. So I got really excited only to realize that it is uh, behind a battle pass, which is on a very restricted quest release. So I won't have access to him right away, not until they drop more quests and I make more progress on the battle pass. But that's just, I guess, another issue. But um, but it's a lot of fun. It's I, I always like when a, a fun element of chaos is introduced into the Fortnite gameplay. And it's only limited. It's only for 20 days. So, well, I guess less now. But, yeah, I, I'm, I've been enjoying it. It's a lot of fun. It is fun. And, yeah, the, the mall lightsaber variation is definitely the key. Being able to throw giant rocks very far, might I add. And they yeah. do much damage 
is a nice wrinkle where the the Anakin ability you are just pulling someone towards yourself, and then the Obi Wan you've got the the big Hadouken push, which can do some good damage as well. But Maul, he's the MVP of the three uh, the lightsaber variations in this uh, in this current go around. Yeah, and full disclosure, by the way, some of those force abilities you you can attack your friends. Uh, yeah. Just letting you know, people out there, watch where watch where you throw your force. Yeah, yeah, I got sent off a off a mountaintop the other day by one of those force pushes. It was not ideal, but mm. uh, it made for some good funny moments. But uh, yeah, it's fun. We were talking offline. Fortnite just continues to evolve and go from strength to strength, and no build is just super dumb fun and unique. And the variations that they add to the gameplay mechanics with all these little seasonal drops is testament to Epic. Like they they know what they're doing there pretty damn well. Yeah, I also enjoyed that Epic has gone um, down a path as well, supporting creatives. Um, so people who have dedicated a bit of time and, you know, uh, kind of like developing little creative maps and unique kind of game styles in the creative modes. Uh, it seems like Epic is doing more to encourage that and endorse some of the best in the creative section. So that's mm-hmm. been, it's been good to explore. Definitely. And be sure to use code 8bit at checkout if you are playing anything on that Epic Game Store there. But uh, on the flip side, I've played two, or I've been playing through two very recent releases, uh, two very differently reviewed and uh, received releases, some might say. And those games in question, obviously, is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which has been done by Respawn Entertainment, and Redfall, which is done by Arcane, and uh, they couldn't be at more broader ends of the spectrum when it comes to consensus from the media. Like we saw IGN give give Redfall a 4 out of 10. It is currently getting scored 59 on Metacritic, where you're looking at Star Wars Jedi Survivor at 86. So there's quite a gap there between the two games, and um, I guess we'll start with the, the lower scoring one, Redfall, mm. which only came out in the last couple of days. Uh, I've been playing it on the Xbox Series X through the greatness of Game Pass. So it is, uh, you know, free day one on Game Pass. And yes, it is not a perfect game. Let me first <laughs> let me first get that uh, out of the way. It is not a 10 out of 10. It is not a game of the year contender. It is buggy. It is eyebrow raising as far as some of the lack of polish at times, but it is at times pretty fun. I okay. would probably score this pretty well in line with that Metacritic score, you know, that 59. So let's just say like a six out of 10, five and a half out of 10. That's probably where I'd fit from my several hours worth of gameplay at the moment. I haven't played with anybody yet. I've just been experiencing the world of Redfall solo, sure. but I've heard with the multiplayer element thrown in there, it is buggier than an ant's nest like benny was telling me like he was playing last night and he'd just ping locations and then he'd, he'd press the ping button and get disconnected straight away every single Ooh. time so it's kind of scary thinking that a button that you would use consistently in a squad based game to ping objects of interest enemies etc it drops you out of the game every time that would be very very frustrating but playing it solo Getting dropped in and you've got these three characters you can select. I, I landed on a character called Remy and she's a she's an engineer and she's got this sort of uh, robotic companion named Bribon and he sort of, uh, or he, they, she, not really sure the, the orientation of this little small robot companion, but uh, they're, they're sort of running with you along the way and you can use Bribon to act as a decoy 
to to draw enemies in and then as you level up in the game you can add certain different different abilities to Bribon so you can then shock enemies as they're distracted by them and you can just shoot from afar you've got a c4 charge you can throw uh you've got a rally point that can provide heals over time so yeah she's more of a a support character as far as the ability she has but playing solo she really worked in well because there's a ton a ton of enemies all the way across like redfall this this island village island city island town whatever you want to define redfall as uh from that standpoint is flush with enemies. It's flush with vampires. It's flush with these cultist members. And you're constantly getting overwhelmed by enemies. And it's great. And having a little brib on there in a solo capacity allows you that extra second to live and survive. And you've got three other characters and they've got different abilities and and different sort of archetypes they fall into. But uh, yeah, Remy, she's been fun to play with. I enjoy the story and the world building that I've experienced so far, as far as you you get just thrown straight into this head first, like the, the game starts and uh, like Remy, she's a, she's a member of the coast guard and she's trying to get people out of Redfall away Mm. from this, this vampiric disaster. But then there's this giant literal giant, like seawall or sea wave around the whole Island. Like it's, it's just like encompassed, like you're encapsulated by this giant wall, wall of water, and then the fact that the vampires have somehow blacked out the sun as well as another thing. So vampires are around all the time, even though there's moments in this game, cause there is day and night light, day and night cycles in daytime. It's still pretty fucking sunny. So I don't know how these vampires are surviving. Like they could have done better with the blackout. So there was a few moments where I'm like, mm, I like the concept, but like, this doesn't make sense to me it's because it's pretty self. bright out here. Mm-hmm. And then on the back of that too, one of my other gripes is like this, this leans into the horror. There's you know, humans getting their blood sucked and people getting obliterated by humans and vampires all the time. And there's blood everywhere, but there's no real gore or viscera. Like you're walking and coming past so many, so many dead, dead bodies throughout this game and they'll be in a pool of blood and they've just had, you know, their blood drained, but there's no, like there's no puncture marks from the vampire on the neck. There's no damage on the neck. There's no like, little additional levels of detail in that regard, which I think really would have hammered home this this scary horror element. Instead, mm. it sort of feels a little bit caricature-ish a little bit. It's it's a little lighter in tone. Like it is a, you know, there is some mature themes in this game, but the fact that they fully didn't lean into the, the gore and the the nightmare fuel stuff is a bit of a missed moment for me, sure, I feel. yeah. But like, it's been fine. Like playing solo the last couple of nights, no, no issues uh, as far as disconnects. There's been no hard freezes, hard crashes. There was a few moments, though, where I'd shoot one enemy and then a, a nest of enemies would come out of a building, but they were just frozen in motion like this. Like, for the audio listeners, their, their gun was raised and their legs were, like, like in a walking motion, but they were just frozen in a single pane and they just sort of slide across the, across the view of me to attack me, and it was piss funny. Like, moments like that, I was just cackling, but it was showing that the game is not as to a higher standard you expect. Sure, like Arcane, yeah. great. Deathloop was phenomenal. Dishonored, one and two, phenomenal. This feels like like I don't want to disrespect the the developers that worked on this, but it feels very rushed. It feels like maybe they did like they forgot that it was coming out that day and it was the the night before finishing the assignment type of vibe where mm-hmm. they were rushed to get it out and clearly we knew that leading up where they didn't have, you know, the, the higher frame rate um, mode. It was only the, the fidelity mode available at launch. And that was a eyebrow raiser for some, but 
yeah, when the game came out, you can see that it still needs a little bit more polish, a little bit more time in the oven. And I think if they gave it a bit more time, it would be a lot more better received and a lot more better reviewed because, yeah, it's it's fine, but it is uh, full of warts, that's for sure. That's a shame. Yeah, I've, I haven't played it myself. For many times I mentioned that I actually had no interest in playing this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been keeping up to date with a lot of people's reviews and opinion pieces because I am a little bit shocked um, about the reception of uh, this game and how it has come out. And sometimes I think, I'm like, it can't be that bad. Like, how how bad could a AAA game come out that it is getting these kind of review scores? And I am seeing a lot of consistent and repetitive issues and bugs that they're all reporting. And obviously, a lot of video reviews are showing these issues. And I am shocked. Like, I am genuinely surprised at how bad the game came out and I always try to be reasonable and I'm trying to think about our experience with cyberpunk cyberpunk came out really broken half Mm. done and so my brain's like okay cyberpunk was an experience like that where we had bug issues gameplay issues freezing up characters locking sometimes saves getting messed up but in the end, I still remember having a great time with it. Like, I felt like there was a few of us that were like, yeah, it's bugged. Yeah, it's messed up. But I love it. It's a great game. So I was curious if anyone was out there. But unfortunately, with Redfall, it, a good majority of people are saying that they're not having a good time. The experience is bad. And it's just everyone is just absolutely being a little bit unreasonable about how it affects Xbox and how Microsoft's involved and all that sort of stupidness. So um, it's sad to see. Um, I, a lot of people were excited for it. And I know that there was a lot of groups that were also very excited for um, development choices and everything else. Like Arcane was taking a risk in doing this style of game. And, and unfortunately, when it comes out like this, it looks like that it was it didn't pay off. So. Yeah, they they certainly uh, they certainly swung and missed, which which you know I appreciate them taking a chance, and it's got that arcane art style to it as far as the character models and things. Mm. But yeah, having this this live pseudo games as service type of model with Redfall, uh, and and the fact that you know it is very heavily dependent on playing with friends or with randoms in your party and being having uh, <laughs> that connection so volatile. Is, is pretty scary. Like I'm, I'm happy that I haven't played multiplayer yet and experienced some of those connection issues and random dropouts and whatnot. And something else that's a bit annoying is the, the, the leveling you do. Like if I was to join, say your, your instance, the mm-hmm. ca- my character, all the leveling I do playing together would not carry back to my experience. The items apparently I'd get playing with you will carry. So any weapons and things, which is fine, but apparently any, any uh, leveling of my character that I'd bring into someone else's instance would not then revert back when when I jump back into my world, which right. is kind of a bit of a shame because it's a bit it's of waste a bit of rough. output. Yeah, then. yeah. So they could fix things with that too. I think. I one thing I must say that did surprise me, and I would be a little bit uh, angry about if I had invested any time or had any interest in this game, uh, was that. When we saw a lot of announcement trailers, like I remember when we saw the first drop trailer announcement of this game, it was stunning. It was a gorgeous piece of like 
graphic fidelity, details and quality. And I'm like, this is a beautiful looking game. This is amazing. Like this design and everything. And every time we saw any kind of sequence that wasn't in game, it was this still high quality, high detailed uh, animation that we, we were seeing. And then I found out that that's non-existent in the game and that a lot of story pieces are shown through stills and little art pieces and I I would be shocked about that. Like, I understand that a game isn't going to look beautiful to that quality throughout. But when you are showing showing that, I guess, in trailers and stuff, and people are like, okay, I get it. That's not in-game graphics. But that's obviously, you know, you would assume, it, oh, this is what cutscenes will look like. Mm-hmm. And you don't get that at all? It shits me. Uh, and, and the game, like, it opens with the, you know, the backstory of how Redfall came to be today. And yeah, the fact that it's told through static images and panels as opposed to a really cool CGI trailer showing the vampires land at Redfall and whatever happens and, you know, showing it in a bit more of a a moving visual medium instead of just these static images. Yeah, that's like, I know that's a creative choice and a lot of games do that these days, but I wish a lot of games did not do that these days because it's a missed opportunity to, to... pump out and flesh out that story in a way that like yeah gets the jaw dropped and it it sucks you in immediately instead of a static image on a screen where i'm like i'm just gonna look at my phone the game's just started but i don't already care because it's just a still image like show me something like hook me from the jump but it didn't because yeah those static images you bang on the money it's just very uh very meh very let downy yeah i just i would be uh, frustrated and i feel like it's misrepresentation that when you are not seeing in-game video, you are seeing this highly detailed animation sequence. So I just, I guess that would be my expectation of like, that's what I'm, at least what I'm expecting in cutscenes. And yeah, yeah, I just think that's a letdown. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's, I've been having some fun with it, but yeah, it is not a perfect game. It is, it is a bit busted in a few ways. It has a lot of warts. And yeah, I'm curious to see in the next few weeks if they do bring out many a patch, I'd say, for stability, especially for those uh, multiplayer instances that you're jumping into. I will jump in and experience that with a few fellow vampire hunters just to see if that experience is a little bit more fleshed out and rewarding. But for now, the solo journey I've been on, it's been fine. Not the best. It's certainly not a game of the year contender, but it's also not the worst game I've ever played. Like some people are sort of trying to sort of throw on Redfall as far as it just being a complete dumpster fire. It's mm. just a very, very mid game, Miss Hart, if we're going to use that verbiage here. It's, uh, I guess we're using it's, it. it's not great. It's not absolutely horrible. It's it's fine. I've, I've played far worse and I like the concept, I like the world here and I will continue to play more over the coming weeks and see if it improves for the better or if maybe it does fall off a cliff. I don't know, maybe I just haven't met that point where it becomes a 4 out of 10 game. But sure. yeah, it's it's not all doom and gloom like the world would uh, have you believe right now. It's, it's, a, it's a very middle of the pack game, which is a shame because this is, you know, the f- outside of the, the Minecraft game that came out a few months like a few weeks ago now it's one of the first new big microsoft AAA exclusives for the year and it sort of just fell on its face so that's that's a bit disheartening but we'll see what happens in the future yeah but on the other end of the spectrum 
Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I have been working through that as well over the last uh, week or so, uh, courtesy of our friends over at Electronic Arts. And this game, though, is fantastic. It is not without... It has been a couple of weird little bugs as I've played Mm -hmm. through the game as well. Um, I had a pretty humorous instance where for a few hours I played and uh, I'll make Cal Kestis. Anytime I'd I'd whip out my lightsaber, the lightsaber never appeared. Like you could see Cal's hands (laughs) if he's holding it. So I was fighting enemies for a few hours and I'd hear the like the and all the noises, but there was nothing in his hands. So I was just like swinging... An invisible lightsaber. A kid's dream pretending to be a Jedi. (laughs) That's exactly what it was like. It was like I was, uh, you know, four years old in my backyard or something being a a Jedi myself. Mm -hmm. And it was humorous. But as we know with with these these games, uh, you know, with Fallen Order and now Survivor, they can be pretty punishing. Like it's not just mindless hack and slash and you'll, you'll... yeah, swing your way to victory. It's you. You can mistime a, a parry or a block or an attack, and you can get cut down very quick. It's got that sort of souls-like mechanic in there where you get killed, all that experience will be left at the at the side of uh, Cal Kestis's body, and then you've got to make your way back to try and get it. And when I couldn't see what my lightsaber was doing, sometimes it was very difficult to know if I was blocking or parrying at the right time. So I was getting cut up with my invisible lightsaber a few times there. But uh, it eventually came back. Uh, I um, just got sick of it and hard-closed my Xbox, hard-closed the game, and then rebooted it. And then lo and behold, my saber was back. But overall, the game is great. It's set five years after uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So we've got a little bit more of a grizzled, hardened Cal Kestis, and he's still out there. Uh, being the most wanted man in the Empire's eyes and whatnot. He's still got BD right beside him, who is still one of the cutest little droids that they've ever done. Like people, pretty cute. People sweat over Grogu. I would take BD1 100 times out of 100 over Grogu. He's the best. I love that little robot so much. And just the, the kinship and the, the bonding that Cal and BD have when they open up certain little loot chests and they find another stim pack and they do like a little fist bump and all it's it's so cute i love all of that but the game itself it's fun the combat is great there is uh different uh lightsabers or different stances you could say that you've got at your disposal too so if you want to do the single traditional lightsaber you want to go the the darth maul sort of dual ended saber you want to dual weld two different sabers and they've also got um a cross guard style uh which is like you know that kylo ren very yeah. traditional like knight style with the little little uh lightsaber blades sticking out of the edges like off the hilt there uh so you've got different types of lightsaber at your disposal depending on if you want it to be fasted fluid you want to be a little bit more slow but just big strong heavy attacks that you can play however you like and then there's also a lightsaber and a blaster combo too so if you want to have like a saber and a pistol in one hand and a saber in the other sorry it can be very interesting so it's kind of cool for you to have that at your fingertips and adjust on the fly depending on the enemies and the circumstance that's in front of you but the game's super fun. The world is huge. The the, the planets and, and the maps within those planets are very varied and very diverse. And there's plenty of uh, side quests to get distracted on regularly. Like I'd constantly be like, all right, I got to get to here to follow the main plot point. And then it's like, oh, I meet some random person and they tell me about this. Then I go that way and spend a few hours doing things there. So it's constantly getting off the beaten track. But it's great because a lot of the... the um, 
side quests and even the main storyline that you're working through there's some great sci-fi intrigue in all of that it's some really cool storytelling some cool big eyebrow raising moments as far as reveals and big plot points and twists and it's just fun like it's enjoyable it's rewarding yet punishing and then i guess it becomes more rewarding when you do survive the punishment Mm-hmm. The assortment of characters you meet, you you meet some of the familiar characters from the first go around in Jedi Fallen Order, uh, and then you meet some new characters along the way, which is kind of cool. And that combined with just the customization, you can make Cal and BD and your saber your own. You can you can dress them up or dress them down as much as you like. And we've probably seen some of the Cal Kestises getting around with the handlebar mustache and the mullet. And like, the mullet, it is gorgeous. <laughs> it is absolutely it's gorgeous. Stunning. Yeah, so I like that you can tweak that and there's so much variation you can do with your lightsaber to, to yeah, make it feel truly one of a kind, which I think is testament to Respawn because everyone wants to feel like they are in their like their own variation of Cal Kestis and having a lightsaber that feels like it might be the only one in the galaxy is really cool, but it's really, really fun. I'm excited to continue to play more because the world is huge. These planets, as I said, you can spend hours just getting sidetracked, uh, exploring random random areas. And then when you unlock new abilities, it'll open up other areas on those planets you might have visited 10 hours ago so you can go back and do more. There's so much to see and do. And yeah, we'll have a deep dive spoiler cast coming out in the next week or so going into all the nitty-gritty of uh yeah jedi survivor but so far it's phenomenal and um yeah rightfully so getting talked about as one of the games of the year and i'm i'm firmly in that camp it's super fun it's super rewarding and uh yeah more bd and cal adventures please and thank you yeah i i've got to say that um it was a little sad to see when it got released it was copying a lot of flack for being released um with bugs and issues and people reporting like bad experiences which obviously gave it a nasty release um it's, it's never good to kind of release with such a, a negative taste in a lot of reviewers mouths there was a lot of talk about how uh reviewers got one kind of experience and they weren't um able to get access to whatever the patch was so even the reviews weren't necessarily great mm-hmm. and then a Redfall said, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> I, I'm happy to hear that now that a lot of the a lot of the bugs and issues, like obviously they're not completely gone, but for the most part, a lot of major issues that people were experiencing have been covered and people are loving the game. The game has a lot of positive reviews about the actual game and the story and characters and everything attached to it. I've seen a little bit of gameplay. Um, I haven't finished the, the first game, so I wasn't too sure if I'm going to be spoiling anything. So I haven't wanted to really invest in other people's gameplay or mm-hmm. jump in myself. But, I mean, it's so beautiful. Like, the environments are absolutely gorgeous and the character designs and everything is just so great. And I, like I said, I'm very much in love with a, a good mullet, a good mullet Jedi. We need more of them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it, it's good to see that they've been able to kind of get a bit of recovery in uh, having a rocky kind of start, rocky kind of launch. So, it's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, they they were quick to patch a lot of those bugs. I know, I think PC copped it harder than the console uh, yeah, players. That's true for for Survivor on release. But yeah, EA and, and Respawn were pretty swift to try and remedy those issues. And it feels like the experience is is pretty smooth. Like, uh, yeah, I I played 
and had those lightsaber issues sort of, I guess it was maybe pre-day one patch. And since then, it's been pretty pretty smooth and pretty uh, drama-free. But yeah, I guess that's the risk, isn't it? When you're getting copies of the games prior to release and they haven't been able to have that day one patch and they've been rushing with a with a preliminary build that you're playing on, you need to sure. sort of keep that in the back of your mind on those releases. But yeah, it's super fun. And yeah, mullet, mullet handlebar, that needs to be a standard in, in Star Wars moving forward, I think. Uh, we we need a segment of like force powered like even if there was Sith like you know just let's get some handlebar mustaches let's get some chops let's you know yeah yeah let's let's get a little dirty yeah shout shout out to chops like not not many people can rock a good set of chops that's but true. when you see them and you and like they're they're meant for that person that's wearing growing the chops. It's it's like a hat tip moment. Like it's it's a big acknowledgement. Uh, like Matt from AT could rock a mean set of chops. Oh. I, I love him. He's grown it out now to the full beard, but for a good long while he had the chops that stopped just before the you know the goatee line, and yeah, owned it. So admire the hell out of him for that. Any uh, any person who takes care and does a good manicured facial hair always has my appreciation. If you love it and you're looking after it, you're always going to look great. So. Yeah, I think you got to be when you're in, you got to be all in on exactly. on facial hair or hairstyles or whatever. You got to commit to the bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, don't don't half ass it. Go full ass with with the hairstyle and the, and the facial hair. Like if you're gonna grow that stash out or those chops or that beard, grow it out. Don't don't sort of settle and stop halfway. Fully commit and like play it out to the end. So exactly. uh, yeah, but but love it. Love love me some Jedi Survivor. I've loved the marketing they've done. Where they brought in Mark Hamill to do yeah. some training with uh, Cameron Monaghan, who's who's playing Cal Kestis. I think that was a really smart, fun collab that they've done leading up to the release of uh, Jedi Survivor. And um, yeah, I'm keen to keep chipping away because I'm yet to roll credits okay. on Jedi Survivor. I've I've chunked a good amount of time out of it, the game so far, and it's a big, big game. But I feel. Maybe I'm two-thirds of the way through there. But, yeah, we'll have a, a full deep dive spoiler cast out sometime in the next week or two, depending on uh, speed of getting these things finished up and closed off. But, uh, yeah, that'll be jumping here on the THG RSS feed in the near future as well. But, yeah, two two big games out in the last week or so with yeah. uh, two very, different very different responses. Yeah, yeah. very different re- receptions. That's the perfect word. That's the word I wanted, Miss Hart. Thank you for keeping me on the straight and narrow. And if we wanted to keep all you listeners on the straight and narrow, you can check out all our content over at videogamesandculture.com. That is the hub for all things 8-bit. Be sure to check out our assortment of podcasts there, whether that be More Than Hentai, whether that be our spoiler cast, whether that be The Hungry Gamers, 8-Crit, etc., etc. Be sure to follow us on all the socials at We Are 8-Bit and to join our Discord. And all those links are directly available in the podcast show notes below. Just uh, expand that on your podcast player and you'll be able to check that out right there. Also check out our merch store, which is shop8bit.net. And also... If you're looking to get a little taste of Japan in and around your hands and mouth, you can do so over at japancrate.com, but be sure to use code 8bit15 at checkout to get yourself a tasty discount as well as free shipping on those fantastic subscription-based care packages that is uh, full of tasty snacks and knickknacks over at japancrate.com. We're also running a giveaway at the moment over at videogamesandculture.com 
forward slash win and you can win yourself a set of ATH SQ1TW wireless in-ear buds. They are a fantastic little accompaniment for your day-to-day. You can use them for your business-based requirements. It does have a microphone on board there too, so you can take your calls on there or you can just listen to Fat Beats or even Fatter Podcasts from 8-Bit. So get on over to videogamesandculture.com forward slash win to go in the draw to win yourself a fantastic set of in-ears from our friends over at Audio Technica. Miss Hart, let's jump into this. This week's news headlines presented by Audio Technica. And the first bit of news, I was very surprised, but then also not surprised by this because this game has just come out of nowhere and gone badouche. And obviously we're talking about Vampire Survivors which has officially joined the list of video game adaptations as it's been greenlit for an animated TV show. Ponkel announced that it will be working with entertainment firm Story Kitchen, which is overseen by Dimitri Johnson, Derek Kolstad, and Mike Goldberg. Johnson uh, served as co-producer of the Sonic the Hedgehog film franchise, and Kolstad is credited as the writer and creator of John Wick. There's a quote here. It says, the most important thing in Vampire Survivors is the story. So it's a dream come true to see what started as a little indie game I made on my weekends come to life as an animated TV show, said Ponkel founder Luca Galante. It's also great to be partnering up with such experienced and talented people to make the show. So this game, yeah, came out of nowhere, went boom, has won BAFTAs, has won many awards, and is now getting an animated TV show by Derek Kolstad, who is uh, making millions and millions and millions of dollars from the John Wick franchise that he created. So this is cool news. I love this. It's it's great. Like, I, I always love an indie success story, especially now with someone getting their own animated series. Um, but I'm very curious... I might be bad. I'm I'm known for not paying attention to story and narrative in most games. But what was the story? <laughs> Kill them all. That's the story, right? I mean, it's vampire survivors. So you were going around and rescuing, like, people who were imprisoned by, I don't know if it was Dracula or vampires in general. But I, I never guess, I guess I didn't get far enough. I, I don't know. So I was just very curious to see what the story is. Maybe this is going to be great. Maybe they can explain it. Um, and I'd be very curious to also see what design choice they make in animating this. Are they going to like, are they going to keep it true to the game or are they going to really get elaborate? Are we going to see maybe some inspiration of like, like Helsing? Are we going to go anime? Are we going to, or is it going to, go really basic or maybe a style that you wouldn't even think of i'm just it's a very very curious venture that started so yeah the the easiest um thing well not the easiest but the first thing that comes to mind for me is you think of what netflix did with castlevania i feel maybe that type of art style but would you be worried that it would be too close in that's yeah, Story. I think you bang on the money. Yeah. Like it's uh, yeah, copying someone's homework type of thing. Sort but of, like, yeah, yeah I, I'm still yet to play much. I've played small amounts of Vampire Survivors. And like you said, I don't know what's going on on the screen. I just know there's just lots of chaos and carnage and stress. Yeah. There's a story there. So I guess this show will no doubt feel very different to the game because what the game does on screen would not translate to watching on screen in my opinion, but if they can 
slow it down and we just get a really cool animated show about vampires and, and explore the lore that, you know, the, that Ponkel sort of put together with vampire survivors. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm never sad to see more mature adult themed animation. I think uh, if they can nail the tone and nail the look, it should, it could be fun. And they've got some big heavy hitters at the top. True. Yeah. I mean, and they've also got um, in the game, they've got a, a, a big range of characters that are established with all the playable characters that you can build up to but uh, yeah i want to see how they um how they translate what is essentially the chaos and gameplay that you uh, associate with the game with vampire survivors so yeah i guess i'm gonna keep my eye on this one yeah yeah it's, it's exciting and yeah like shout out to ponkel for for coming out of nowhere to this game and now building from some strength to strength with an animated show so yeah, let's let's see how this plays out. Let's see what uh, what studio picks it up as far as the, the distribution or the streaming rights as well. I'm assuming it'll end up on a on an Amazon or a Netflix. One of those two would probably be the two front runners. But uh, yeah, it's 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 exciting. Uh, it's nice to see more video games making its way to the small or the big screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, in similar sort of synergies here, uh, we're talking about another game that made it to screen. And uh, Dread and the Boys star Carl Urban is reportedly in line to play Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 2. So obviously we're talking about the film there. According to IGN, the Hollywood movie star is in final negotiations to play the video game movie star in the sequel to 2021's popular Mortal Kombat film that you and I both enjoyed. We had yeah, we, some we, we had some fun it. with it. It was it was, it was fine. Mm. But it's funny because we already got Kano in the first one, but I see Carl Urban playing more of a Kano type than a Johnny Cage type when I immediately think of Carl Urban. Do you are you similar or can you no. sort of see him in the Hollywood stars boots? Well, so I think everyone's going to keep on associating him with his character in The Boys, who's a wise cracking, you know, kind of rough rough edge kind of character i've only gone to like i think season two three i can't remember um but you know we we saw him in dread and dread he was a very straight laced kind of character and very serious Mm -hmm. so i i I think he's able to hop the line but i mean johnny cage is is a very sarcastic you know love like self-loving kind of character with a bit of an ego but someone did a photoshop of Carl Urban as um, Johnny Cage with his short hair. Like a lot of people probably don't remember him with his short hair, but it, it works. It actually works really well. I hate that I'm saying this, but I just, it's the age. It's the age thing that's yeah. kind of getting me a little bit because um, a lot of people have been pushing for, is it The Miz? He's the wrestler? The Miz, yeah. yeah. Everyone's been pushing for him to get it. And I've seen what he looks like and I kind of agree. It kind of works out. Like The Miz is a wrestler, professional wrestler. He has the body type. He has the character set already. Like it kind of makes sense. So I'm wondering, you know, was the choice made that we've seen the the Mortal Kombat movie very influenced by being set or created in Australia or within that region? So they've actually been reaching out a lot more to actors and cast within that area. I don't know. I don't know if that was an angle in the choice, but I'm willing to give him a go. I love Carl Urban and um, he's done great work, so he can only just, you know, make Mortal Kombat 2 even better. Yeah, he's he's a hell of a talent. Like any any role that he jumps into, it feels like he gives them one hundred and ten percent. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, him him as Billy Butcher in the Boys is one of my favorite adaptations from 
gaming, comics, graphic novels, whatever, in the last decade plus. Like, he's so great in that role and he's such an asshole. And Johnny Cage has a little bit of assholiness to him, but yeah. it's more like smart arsey feels like he's better than everyone. So I feel he could fall into those shoes. And yeah, our, our boy Boss Logic did some really cool uh, artwork as Carl Urban as Johnny Cage. I'm, okay, I can see that. I could see him in that role. And yeah, The Miz, it's funny because The Miz is like, in real life and also his wrestling persona is very much like Johnny Cage light where he's done some Hollywood movies. He's trained in, we'll call it martial arts, you know, he's trained in professional wrestling. There's a dotted line there somewhere and he could fit that role. But if it was out of those two, I'd probably take Carl Urban over Mike, the Miz Mazanin because uh, yeah, Carl Urban's just a dude and he's just a force on screen where the Miz is a bit of a toss. I mean, my angle would still be directed at Carl Urban only because, and this is no direct, no attack on the Miz, but Carl Urban obviously has a repertoire of actually being professional acting and f- like going full force on the character and understanding where a person, a person's personality like starts and stops and where a character you are playing starts and stops. So I, that's why I think Carl should probably have a shoe in for this. So. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I'm just happy we're getting another Mortal Kombat film because the first one was great at some times. There was a few like head scratching moments, don't get me wrong, but I like the potential and I hope we actually do get a fighting tournament this time around. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed and let's see which other characters they bring in from that murderer's row that is the Mortal Kombat uh, roster. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Carl Urban, he's a dude. And um, yeah, excited for Mortal Kombat 2 when it eventually hits the big screen in, in a few years' time. Yeah. Uh, something else that's coming out, not in a few years' time, but we're going to have an announcement coming up very soon because there's been many questions about the ROG ally, but the wait is almost over. ROG announced that they will be unveiling their handheld's full spec sheet availability and pricing on May the 11th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So that's like May the 12th at, I don't know, midnight-ish Australian time here. Uh, but this thing looks great. I'm excited to uh, see what the, the full specs are regarding this little handheld device. We saw it in the back of the most recent Phil Spencer interview that he did with Xcast the other day. It looks fine. Handheld gaming and gaming on the go is becoming more and more of a focal point for, for yeah. a lot of these developers and pubs. And... Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ROG fan. I've, I've had a few, uh, you know, Asus ROG-based devices over the years. And this handheld, from what I've heard, is going to be gruntier and more powerful than the Steam Deck. So maybe I'll drop some cash on this one. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for a lot of people who maybe have been either waiting or finally received their Steam Deck or had the ability to purchase one. But uh, competition's good. Uh, so ROG jumping in with the handheld portable gaming devices and being a pretty well-renowned and well-respected company in producing technologies and stuff like that, especially in the gaming space. Uh, I'm very curious to see the details as well. I want to obviously see it out there. I want to hear people's reviews and handheld um, uh, experiences and reviews just to see like what they're actually dealing with and how it does compare to the Steam Deck. Um, it also has my name technically in it, so I feel mm-hmm. like I should probably get it anyway. So, um, yeah, exciting. Coming to if watch you don't get it, we'll be very disappointed because yeah, it is your personalized handheld. Literally, console. my name on your it. Your name yeah. is in your name is in the branding. So yeah. if you don't, you're doing everyone a disservice. <laughs> 
The next bit of news, Discord is making a major change to usernames. Users will be prompted to update their usernames to one without the digits previously applied to them at the end of said username. This change aims to help users identify and connect with friends more easily and the new usernames will be unique to each user. The new usernames will be made up of characters from the A through Z alphabet, number zero through nine, and underscores and periods or full stops. The changes will be rolled out over the next few weeks with older accounts receiving priority for the change. However, some users are concerned about potential privacy issues with the change. And I guess there's other users that will be concerned about uh, if, if you are a newer user of Discord and you want your unique name, there's a high chance that if you're at the back end of the queue, someone else will grab that username before you and then you'll have to put your underscores and your your numbers at the back end, which is going to shit me up the wall. If, if I miss out on my username or whatever it is, I am going to be very upset. Yeah, I was always curious about how Discord kind of went about with having our usernames with the numbers and how you can, I think a lot of people were able to kind of change it up a little bit and have something kind of unique. But I am very, very interested to see if any of the people who had Discord accounts originally, if anyone's going to be a little bit cheeky and try to get major players and major streamers and take their usernames and probably hold them ransom. Nothing stops them from it. No one owns a username i guess so i think that that could be a bit of a power play by certain users but knowing discord they might actually just reach out to these uh content creators first uh so they can lock in their names but uh the privacy issue too a lot of people are finding it uh concerning that having your username uh flat out just straight as is uh makes you a little bit of an issue of finding and uh, having privacy kind of tarnished so yeah, I, I'm worried. Um, I'm worried because, like, I don't remember how I log in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I guess I will wait until I get my cue. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we don't have to wait too long because, yeah, these are going to be made available over the next few weeks. So anyone that is on Discord, just uh, keep your eyes peeled for any notifications. Or up, I haven't yeah. sort of been clear if they're going to, like, email email your primary account email address there as far as, yep, go now, set your username quick before someone else does because there will be a bit of a mad dash. But yeah, may- maybe trying to grab some of the big wig content creators' usernames and saying, <laughs> hey, Mr. or Mrs., pay up and I'll, I'll relinquish the name for you. you know, could, could make a quick couple of bucks there. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And the next bit of news I've called What We Do in the Shadows. Man, it's not my best, I know. But uh, Australian developer Blowfish Studios has confirmed it's working on a new action horror game called Shadow Man Dark Legacy, along with comic publisher Valiant Entertainment. It's set for release in 2024 on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X slash S, and PC via both Steam and Epic. And they've also released a little teaser trailer over the last 24 hours as well. Nintendo 64 and PS1 owners might remember the Shadow Man game released way back in 1999, and it was an action-adventure game from Acclaim that saw the titular voodoo warrior on the hunt for Jack the Ripper. It was later released on the Dreamcast and followed by a sequel called Shadow Man Second Coming, and the S was replaced by a 2 in that. Ah, marketing in the 90s and the 2000s was the time, wasn't it? Mm. And the first game was most recently remastered by Night Dive Studio for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC and Switch last year. As for Dark Legacy, a conspiracy threatens to overrun the realm of the living as Shadow Man contends with horrifying inhuman entities through challenging melee combat. Players will visit the land of the living and the hellish realm of the dead side, embodying the hero of the dark to traverse the necromantic divide. 
And there's a quote here and it says, it's been an honor to breathe new life into such an iconic IP with Shadow Man's first venture into gaming since the PlayStation 2 era, said game director Clinton McCleary. We're looking forward to ushering fans into the horrifying, punishing, but rewarding experience we've crafted. Stepping into the role of Shadow Man, players will encounter a compelling cast of heroes and villains while taking their scythe to the most wretched denizens of the dead side. End quote. So, we were talking about this before we started recording. Mm. I played me quite an amount of Shadow Man on my PlayStation 1 way back in the day. I loved the concept. I loved the the quirky unhingedness of games on the PlayStation 1 in that sort of 90s, early 2000s period where there are all these really bonkers action horror concepts that were just getting thrown out left, right, and center. Mm. And Shadow Man was a ton of fun. Love the combat. I love the scary vibes of it. I love the, the voodoo aesthetic of it. It was very, very unique at the time for sort of a action-y horror game. And I can't believe we've got a game coming out, uh, you know, 20 plus years since the original, but also the fact that it's getting done by Blowfish Studios, which is one of the, uh, the larger independent studios here yeah. in Australia. Super exciting. I'm keen as a bean. This came out of nowhere. Just a sneaky little stealth drop. And I'm hyped to play this next year. Pretty exciting. Uh, This was one of those games that I remember growing up and seeing either a Nintendo mag or, you know, on the shelves at Blockbuster. And I just, it looked cool, but I'm like, why didn't I never play it? And I realized it had an M rating. So... Ali, uh, yes. young Ali wasn't allowed to play those games um, only on the PC where her mum wouldn't know what games she was playing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I never actually got around to this one, but I have a weird fascination of the story of Jack the Ripper. So um, I'm very keen to see this uh, this coming, uh, coming out to the modern day and with the modern graphics and everything. So it looks, it looks cool. I like the little trailer, even if it was just like a small snippet, but... Um, yeah, and excited for Australian's involvement in uh, the creation of this game. So, Yeah, it's going to be a good time. So I'm going to keep my eyes uh, across this one because, yeah, I had very fond memories of running around slaying all kinds of evildoers and, and beasties in, in the original Shadow Man way back in 1999. And, uh, yeah, it's going to feel good to be jumping in again in 2024 with, yeah, a fresh coat of paint and seeing what uh, what our man's been up to with his scythe and his crazy... I remember he had, like, crazy blue glowing eyes when he sort of, uh, you know, used some of his abilities. It Looking was a little like Vin really Diesel. spooky stuff. Yeah, he's like a... It's like a less fed Vin Diesel. He's, uh, you know, Vin, Vin seems to have uh, put on a couple of couple extra pounds these days. That's fine. But uh, Shadow Man is the uh, the the starving version of our uh, Vinny Vinny D. That's for sure. <laughs> Vinny D. Vinny D. And the last bit of news. Uh, this is coming via way of a recent interview over at Kind of Funny Games Xcast podcast. Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, spoke about the state of the company and recent developments, including the CMA's block on Xbox proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, the launch of Redfall, and many, many more on this fantastic, very extensive interview that the Xcast podcast crew has put together. There's just a sort of few hit points in there as follows. Regarding Redfall, Spencer acknowledged the game's poor reception and claimed that internal mock reviews of the game had painted a more positive picture than what eventuated. He also admitted that Xbox could have done more work with Arcane on the game's vision earlier in the development cycle. Spencer also briefly addressed the CMA's decision to block Xbox's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard, 
and stated that the company will appeal the decision. Spencer stated that the CMA had defined a market of cloud gaming that he believes doesn't really exist yet today. Spencer said that Xbox would appeal the decision and the company remains committed to pursuing its strategy. So this was a very long-winded interview that went for many, 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 many minutes. I'm yet to watch or listen to it in its entirety. I intend to, but uh, from some of the snippets going around on the socials, it feels like it was a very honest, raw and unfiltered interview that uh, XCast managed to do with Phil Spencer. And I like that he put his hand up. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He, they owned, yes, Redfall released and it was pretty miserable. The CMA thing was interesting because that sort of occurred in between the most recent episodes where yeah. the, the CMA have blocked the acquisition off the basis of Xbox allegedly being then too powerful in the cloud gaming space, which yeah. you know isn't really a space at the moment to begin with. Like it's a weird hill to die on. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that Xbox has been doing all these, you know, 10-year cloud-based agreements with so many manufacturers out there, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. So yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a longer churn, this acquisition. So firstly, I think I'm going to have to yield and say that, yeah, I don't think this acquisition is happening in 2023. It's going to be 2024, like you said. So uh, you, you get the early dubs on that one. But the Maybe. interview was great. He He's taken blame. He still remained very optimistic as far as games coming out. He was talking about, uh, yeah, their positioning behind Sony, Nintendo, and just how they've got a different go-to-market strategy, focusing on subscriptions, Game Pass, etc., talking about um, the need for Starfield to uh, deliver later this year when it comes out and the the stress and the pressure on the back of that. But yeah, it was a very candid, very open interview. Yeah. And um, I appreciate the openness that was on display there and, and the, the interviewing that the team at XCast did was phenomenal. But yeah, Phil was also uh, great on the mic too. Yeah, it was actually pretty impressive to see that not only Phil got out there and had to do an interview right after the release of something like Redfall, and then obviously the announcement about the CMA block, uh, but then also the team on XCast kind of funny, they they didn't like let him have a walk in the park kind of interview. They hit him with some very strong concerns of the community and I think they did a great job either presenting these questions or elaborating a little bit further it kind of felt like it was coming from a community perspective as opposed to a journalistic organization just getting some fluff questions out and Phil answered it felt very it felt very honest like obviously there's not he's not going to tell everyone everything he's obviously Mm -hmm. set to a certain amount of standards and things that he can't say uh but i do appreciate the things that he did kind of uh bring forward and was very honest about the he doesn't he said that he respects the, the xbox community too much to kind of uh you know not take responsibility not to take action on what happened with redfall but it was very interesting also to see him mention about the competitiveness in the console wars between uh playstation and nintendo and on him honestly saying that we we can't compete he actually said that it doesn't depend on just a good game and having that transfer over like you you can't have just a good game and then expect that oh we will lead the console wars after that so i think that kind of shows the viewpoint of what microsoft are doing with transferring people into a subscription service so um it's a good interview i think it was handled well on both sides it seems like a lot of people in the community have 
enjoyed it and really thought it was really well done, but done by both parties of both asking questions and getting answers back. Obviously, there's still a lot of dickheads out there that are just absolutely disgruntled and, oh, the death of Microsoft, oh, fire Phil, like... But I think it's always good to watch these sort of things and get a kind of perspective out there and see how things are being handled. And yeah, I think I think it was really well done. I think it's it, I'd like to see more of this. I'd like to see mm-hmm. more of these kind of interviews and questions with uh, heads of like companies that, you know, you'd probably want a little bit more, a little bit more of info on how things kind of run or how the sausage is made, as some people say. So um, I definitely think that people should give it a watch, whether you are an Xbox Microsoft head or not. So, I agree. I agree. I think um, having these these open and unfiltered interviews with with heads of whether it be the big three or just heads of of certain publishers Studios, and things like yeah. that is really great because it allows the gamers to peek behind the curtain a little bit and maybe understand how these processes take place or these decisions that do or don't get made because like we were talking about Redfall earlier and how when it was first showcased it was like man this looks cool the trailers are great and then this final product it's like oh this isn't you know we got the wish version let's just you know easy easy sort of throwaway line there we got we got the wish version of Redfall that we were expecting and they don't know from that first hype trailer and the release all the stuff that goes into that sausage and being a little bit more candid and honest and open will like I doubt that it's going to lessen just the evilness and the putridness that is the internet and the the talking heads on social media but it would probably impact a small percentage of those people and lessen some of that hostility and anger and just nastiness that gets thrown around like the the biggest thing and I know we've sort of talked about it here and I've sort of said that Redfall's a little bit weak here or there, but I'm not making fun of the developers for what they've done because I know blood, sweat and tears went into the development of this game and they were doing the best they could and for whatever reason it came out in that state. So I'm never going to wish ill on the developers for that, but just like the the timelines and the release cycles is something that seems to be a constant i guess because people just want it they need that um instant interactivity with this ip and if it's not out in a certain amount of time it loses its shine or it loses its hype mm. so there's this constant pressure to get it out early get it out as quick as they can and then it leads to these sort of busted releases and then the internet gets mad and then it's like well you wanted it that quick we got it out that quick and then, you know you get what you get you don't get upset sort of thing but it's it's a very fine line i feel but yeah, circling back, I like that um, you know, the, the head of Xbox here, Phil Spencer, he was, yeah, very open, very, very honest and, and didn't sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. And as a, you know, I, I primarily lean Xbox when I'm talking console preference. It's, it's nice to see him take that L, but it also feels like that's all we're doing is taking Ls from an Xbox side <laughs> year in, year out, whether it be the uh the amount of sales in comparison to a switch or a playstation 5 whether it be the lack of AAA exclusives all these things like it's 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 a bit of a pile of of losses or you know misses as opposed to hit after hit so hopefully that changes in the future but i feel we're just kind of getting used to it a little bit here's here's the weird thing right i 
don't necessarily lean towards any console because I'm mostly a PC player. However, if I was to lean towards one, I guess I lean towards Xbox because they have that connection to uh, PC Game Pass and mm-hmm. such. And to hear people saying that Xbox is taking L's and all that sort of business is like, it's a bit peculiar to me because like here on this podcast, we can't stop raving about Game Pass and how amazing it is. And we know people within our groups who are more uh, focused on PlayStation who have then ventured onto Xbox because we do talk mm-hmm. about Game Pass and how uh, the benefits of signing up to it. And then I only this year have been raving about this game, which to me is still sitting at Game of the Year for me. Uh, like, it's just like I don't see them as like complete L's. Like, yeah, I understand that having console exclusive games, like when you're you're comparing to another another company and everything you're like tit for tat and it's like well they have this and they have that so they're succeeding so therefore it's shit for me i'm like but it's not completely shit you know Mm. there are still amazing games out there there are still game pass out there and this microsoft is still churning out consoles and they're still seeing successes where they're seeing successes and they're trying to you know move Microsoft in a direction to keep Xbox functioning and keeping it out there and keep on venturing out into new things and new experiences for you to play. So it's not consistent, Els. Maybe in areas that you think that they're losses and, you know, shitty kind of outcomes, but there's still great things out there. So I just, you know, we're, we're in a space growing up where gaming is great. We have different gaming themes. We have different consoles that we can choose on. We can, different platforms and different experiences and art styles and everything. And so I just don't know why we always focus on negatives when a little bad thing happens. So there's a rant from Ali. <laughs> we have so many good things out there. Why do we always focus on the negative? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of rephrase that because I think you nailed it, definitely. The Xbox ecosystem is the best in console gaming by far, in my opinion, like game pass, you can't beat the value. Like yeah, anyone that's listened to one of our podcasts over the last 324 prior episodes, you'd hear us praising game pass to, to the heavens, you know, because it's, it's the best value. There's so many games there, but I think, I think just the failure to launch with a lot of the AAA exclusives, like yeah, Pentiment is, is phenomenal. And we've had some other games like high on life came out and, uh, to, to some positive reviews, some some lukewarm ones here and there. Forza, uh, you know, the most recent Minecraft variation was well-reviewed, but I guess when we're talking the, you know, what what is going to compete with your God of War, what is going to compete with your Horizon, your Zelda, Microsoft don't have that, but when you, when you take that step back, well, they don't have that at the moment, uh, but when you take that step back and look at it from a, a broader broader lens and look at just Xbox as a whole and everything else that's that's that goes into that uh, into that sausage, it's great. But yeah, just that that triple A sheen that I think the the games media or just gamers in in general get so caught up about. Mm-hmm. Microsoft doesn't have that that premier triple A juggernaut that comes out every few years that just smashes it to bits, but. It'll come. I'm I'm very optimistic that it'll come, and there'll be a few games that'll come out and and might uh, you know reset that narrative a little bit. But right now, like with yeah, Red Four coming out to to a bit of a 
lackluster thing as far as one of their first new big unique IPs was was a little upsetting for me but yeah I'm still I'm still bleeding green I'm still uh definitely bleeding green and and loving life but yeah I think you nailed it we probably need to need to look at it from a broader lens instead of getting so caught up in a loser company or whatever it's just loss after loss they can't do anything right they do many things right it's just the that triple a beacon in the sky is is not quite there yet but it'll it'll come yeah i feel good about that yeah exactly and then when when out when these not saying that these companies never do nothing wrong they're always making mistakes and they're always you know stuffing up things here and there but keeping them accountable at a reasonable you know at a reasonable stance is what we do you know, yep. like give them bad reviews, give them like show, was it, was it review with your pocket, you know? Yeah. Vote with vote, your wallet. That's it. Vote with your wallet. <laughs> Pay with your review pocket. Review with your pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. We, 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 you know, the world's a mess. Let's enjoy the good stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, we're at a golden age of media, gaming, film, TV. We've got more content than we've ever had available instantaneously. So yeah, it's not all dark, dire times in the world. Like the world is on fire and the world is a freaking mess. Don't get me wrong. But like from a media, pop culture, consumption perspective, we've never had it this good. Mm. Yeah. And something else that I'm hoping is going to be just as good. Tweet of the week. This tweet comes by way of at Peacock. And the tweet reads, your driver has arrived with your order. We've got a little car explosion and clown emoji. Hashtag Twisted Metal is streaming July 27 only on Peacock or for the Australian listeners, it's making its way to Stan here in Australia. Mm -hmm. So it's dropping on Stan. We get a 52-second little teaser with Anthony Mackie as the the titular hero in Twisted Metal. Chucks a a CD in onto his uh, Subaru Impreza and then goes fanging around the countryside shooting guns and whatever else. And then the teaser ends with uh, everyone's resident serial killer clown Sweet Tooth in the back of his ice cream truck doing God knows what. And that is it. So in a little over two months time, we get Twisted Metal dropping on the streamers. From what I've seen around, I think they're going to be dropping it maybe like all at once. So it's not going to be fed week on week. We get all episodes bam, on the 27th. And the tone looks interesting. I'm down for this. I'm still optimistic because love me some Twisted Metal and to see it translated to the screen, I'm in. Yeah, they didn't really give us a lot, did they? Um, It's 52 seconds, about like, what, like 10 seconds of that or whatever was just the new hype, which is introducing that you're about to do a trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's a thing right now. Teaser starts now. now. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then, yeah, we saw the very brief snippet and then, like, a little bit of the, a little vibe. Like, like I, like I said, like, I never played, I didn't, I, like, played, what, like, a short time, a short bit of Twisted Metal. I don't really, I watched a bunch of lore videos. <laughs> was it this year or was it last year that I <laughs> Yeah, confessed? you were all in on the lore yeah, too. Yeah, I, I love things that have like messed up lore. So I, I think that's great. But I, I still I still don't fully understand what they might be doing with it. But like, you know, we, we, we saw some dismemberment, some like limbs hanging in the back of an ice cream van. So that looked cool. Like, you know, from a, you know, crazy messed up perspective, which we said we think that they should go down. Like it, it's twisted metal. It should be a little messed up. So... 
hopefully we they're on the right track. Yeah, give me give me death race with some supernatural elements and some gore, mm-hmm. and I'm down for this because that death race movie, the one in I can't remember, did it get released in somewhere in the 2000s with yeah. Jason Statham who it's played Frankenstein? Yeah, it's a fun the sequel to shit, but that movie's oh, yeah. great. Yeah. So give us that with yeah some of the the weird supernaturally nightmare fuely stuff that Twisted Metal also weaves in mm-hmm. from the games. I think we could have a, a good little guilty pleasure viewing here. Yeah, where it, exactly. Might, never win an Oscar, but it'll be really enjoyable and very memorable, I think, or I hope. Like, I don't even – I might not even want multiple seasons. Like, depending. Actually, they they might do that because they won't be able to fit all characters within one series. So, But I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to be like, oh, we envision this going on for like 10 seasons kind of thing. Like, I think that's when it will overstay its welcome. But – I, I hope it's good. I really hope that um, they do do right by the franchise because it has potential. Mm. I think at the very least it's going to be good, dumb popcorn enjoyment. Like, sure. Yeah, the, the story I doubt's ever going to get too deep, but like you said, Ali, there, there's some cool lore there to explore if they want to. Yeah. But I think it's just going to be a crazy splat fest, heart racing type of thing minute to minute, but... Yeah, coming out on the 27th of July. And yeah, for Australian listeners, it's going to be on stand. For US and uh, other people that have Peacock, it's going to be on Peacock. United Kingdom, I don't know where. you have to check that Good out. Good luck. But, uh, it's, it's out there somewhere. But if you don't want to wait until the 27th of July for Twisted Metal, we got you all covered. New releases and events. As far as other things coming to the small screen, we've got The Muppets Mayhem Season 1 dropping on Disney+, and Mulligan Season 1 dropping on the Netflix. If you want to get out to the cinemas this week, for Australian viewers, Infinity Pool is coming out this week, which is the new Brandon Cronenberg film. I'm keen to watch this. No doubt I'm going to be feeling very uncomfortable after watching this because it's a Cronenberg, but uh, I'm down for that. We've also got... Book Club to the next chapter and Hypnotic all making their way to the big screen. If you wanted to uh, play some games in the comfort of your own home, you can do so via way of pick up Darkest Dungeon 2 on PC, Wise X Monstrum Nox on PlayStation 5, The Lord of the Rings Heroes of Middle Earth on mobile, Death or Treat across PlayStation, Xbox and PC, Marvel's Midnight Suns making its way to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and a little old hit that uh, you may have heard about once or twice over the last year or two. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom coming out this week too. Let's see how this reviews. Uh, haven't sort yeah. of asked you about it, but what's what's your Metacritic score? What are you going to throw at Legends of Z- The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Miss Hart? Where do you think this is going to score? It's so hard because on our perspective, it isn't like it's a it, the game's fine. Like I enjoyed whatever time I had with um, Breath of the Wild, but I like everyone felt Breath of the Wild was like a ten, like you know nines and tens and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a eight. You know, <laughs> I enjoyed some of the things with it. So it's kind of hard getting our perspective on it. So uh, thinking about the fan base, thinking about the fan base, like I think this is going to be getting like nine out of tens, ten out of tens. Mm-hmm. For some reason, yeah, I just think it automatically gets <laughs> for some reason. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's critically acclaimed. Like it's a 97 on Metacritic for Breath of the Wild. So do you think Tears of the Kingdom is going to match that? Will it beat that? Like, I feel mm. I'm bang on with you. Like, it'll be mid, mid-90s mid at the very least. 
I'm going to say it's going to be I'm going to I'm going to say it's going to be better and it's going to be a 98. I think it might go under. Ooh. Because okay. you're getting the flavor of Breath of the Wild, so they really have to do better. Like Breath yeah. of the Wild was releasing, it was establishing a new kind of universe of Zelda and experience. So this one has to do better than that. And it's yeah. riskier. It's riskier. Yeah, a lot of pressure, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it might go under. Maybe. Okay. Well, I'm going I'm to say 98. What are you going to say? Chuck a, chuck a number on 95. it. 95. Which is still like phenomenal. Uh, still great, like that, but we're just, yeah. you know, <laughs> comparing well, gold see. bars next to each other. Let's see who's right or wrong. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, we'll unpack this next week. Uh, next week on episode three two six of THG. But yeah, Zelda making its way to the Switch again. Tears of the Kingdom is going to be the game all anyone is going to be talking about for the next several months. I have no doubt it's going to win many a Game of the Year award because, like you said, the first uh, iteration in this next evolution of Zelda smashed it out of the park and was unanimous that year and. It's just seen with such a, a high amount of praise and excitement around it where, yeah, for, for you and I, we, we enjoyed it. We thought it was in like a good game, but it just didn't really move the need. Well, you know, it's not a game for us, I don't think, as far as what our core DNA likes in a video game. There was cool yeah. parts of it, but yeah, I'm happy for everyone else that's going to be crying tears of joy when they pick up their copy later this week yeah happy for everyone that is fans and i hope it is everything that you want it to be exactly and uh yeah 98 or 95 on metacritic let's, let's see, see. who's correct off the back of that but listeners that brings us to the end of episode 325 of thg thanks as always for stopping on by be sure to review subscribe us as well as all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular those ratings and reviews take no time, cost no money, and mean the world to us. So please do that. Pay that good karma forward. And uh, be sure to head over to videogamesandculture.com forward slash win to go in the draw to win yourself a sexy set of in-ear wireless buds from our friends over at Audio Technica. Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of another episode here. Anything else you want to mention or shout out before we get on out of here? Jump on the socials and Discord. Tell us what your favorite childhood candy was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's talk candy. Jump in the discord. Let's talk candy. We'll lead it off. We'll chuck our thoughts in there and uh, let the discussion flow from there. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's it from us here for another week. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love. And stay hungry. <laughs> You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.